0: Uh, so I feel like um, the Lord has cut across the end of what I was going to say, so I'm going to, um, well, change the beginning to make time for that. So when I talked with, when, when talk with James, we were talking a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, and talking about the gospel Jesus preached. And uh, so that's where I'm starting today, the gospel Jesus preached. So if you go with me in Mark... To Mark, one, and in Mark. So Mark is a. I'm really enjoying Mark. We're reading through it, and we're we're using it um, as the, the the text, I guess, for our Sunday night. And uh, I'm just I'm just really enjoying it. it's it's frankness, really. it's just here's the story, and it gets stuck right in, right. John the Baptist prepares the way. Jesus is baptized Uh, in this beautiful, beautiful thing where heaven splits open and the the Holy Spirit comes like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, And then, he's He's, he's sent out to the desert, and then he comes back after being tempted, and it says in verse 1, 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the the gospel that Jesus preached. And I really want to dig into this, those words. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So, what do, you know, when, when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near, what does he mean by that? And I think there's at least three ways we can interpret it. In particular, when he says the kingdom of God has come near, what does he mean by it being near? I think there's at least three ways we can understand the nearness of the kingdom of God. The first is in time. So, Jesus had come. So, if we we think about the history of the, the, well, the the, the history that's outlined in the Bible, we have this amazing creation where the Lord creates this place, this world, and then he creates this special place in that world, this, this garden, where the beings that he made in his image in his presence with him every day. And then, but in their pridefulness, they wanted the garden and all the good of the garden, but they didn't want the gardener. They wanted the kingdom, but they didn't want the king. And so they rebelled against him, and they were cast out of the garden. And then there's a story about how God uh, picks a man, and then uh, blesses that man, Abraham, and then blesses his family, and then creates this nation out of his family. And he calls this nation to be a holy nation, to be a chosen people, to be a, to be a place where the presence of God is visible to the nations around them, through that people. And there's this long history of this cycle. Right? It's, it's interesting because the history and, and the way it looks in the Old Testament is not linear, it's cyclical. And you have this cycle of uh, the people of God being near to God and then um, kind of getting uh, full of themselves and reenacting that rebellion, really, and falling away. And then God calling a remnant back to him and that remnant becoming faithful and, and being close to him. But each cycle does, it seems to get worse and worse over time. At the end of the Old Testament, you have the book of Malachi And in the book of Malachi, Malachi is is really telling, saying to Israel, you have fallen again. You you are not being faithful to the call I placed on you. But there's a day of the Lord coming when a remnant will be called. And so Jesus turns up. When he says the kingdom of heaven is near, he means that, that the time has come when the new kingdom is being inaugurated. The end of the old order and the establishing of a new order, a new kingdom. In Mark 13, Jesus prophesies the destruction of the temple. In John 2, Jesus clears the courts and the Jewish leaders asked him for a sign. Whose authority do you clear the courts on? Right? So he drove out the moneylenders and the people selling sacrificial animals. Because, and he says, you know, you made my house into a den of thieves. And it's supposed to be a, a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. And the, and the leaders go, who? Whose authority do you do this on? And Jesus' response, right? So one of the things I've been reflecting on is how crazy Jesus sounds. Yeah. And a lot of it sounds smart to us because we know the end of the story. But yeah. you think about him, he, he's standing there, right? And, and, and the, the, these Pharisees or Sadducees or whatever, these leaders come over and go, who gives you the right to do this? And he doesn't answer their question. He just says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can just see them, you just see them and it says in their reply, they go, it took 46 years to build this temple. Who are you? I mean, just like, you can just see them go, dude. But we know that he wasn't talking about that physical temple. They scoffed at him. He was proclaiming the presence of God was leaving the temple and taking up residence elsewhere, and they couldn't see it. The kingdom of God has come near in time, the new kingdom. Temple worship wasn't coming to an end as such. The temple and its mandate was that temple in Israel, that, that temple. And it was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. The kingdom was near in time because Jesus was building a new temple for the presence comprised of living stones. And so that's and that's the way when I read this, for most of my time as a Christian, that's how I understood it. In more or less um, more or less understanding, but that's basically what I thought. But then I read the Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willow, and he opened my eyes to another way to read this. He said, when the kingdom of God has come near, it's not only in in time, but in space. So it's here. The kingdom of God is here. Mm -hmm. It's not just a new kingdom in history that's being inaugurated. It's physically here with us now. Um, I'm I'm really happy to be wrong about this, because I did skim the Gospels, and I'm happy for someone to correct me on it. But when I read and skimmed all the Gospels, I couldn't find one miracle that Jesus performed in the temple. He performed them going to the temple and coming and going away from the temple. He performed them uh, and, and I can only find, actually find a couple of miracles he performed in Jerusalem. So Jesus does lots of miracles. That's the kingdom. That's a part of the kingdom being here. We see this broken world and we can and, and, and Jesus sees this broken world and he reaches. For the power of the kingdom to fix it. He heals the sick. Oh, he says repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he demonstrates it. It's here. Right here now. I'm going to heal you because you're sick. I'm going to cast out that demon. He gives, he, 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 so he heals the sick. He raises the dead. He multiplies bread and fish to feed thousands. He gives sight to the blind. He walks on water. He calms storms. He drives out demons and more. And where does he where does he do those miracles? He does them in synagogues. He does them in fields, on roads, in houses. The kingdom of God is near. We don't have to go to a place to access the kingdom of God. It is near to us physically. By, by his actions, Jesus is such showing us that God is present everywhere, everywhere. And that the kingdom of God is accessible everywhere. Mm -hmm. There is no place you can go on this earth where the kingdom of God is not with you Mm -hmm. and around you. And you know, and actually if I'm honest, in Acts, when I skimmed Acts, so like I say, I'm happy for someone to go, no, no, he did this one there, because I, I did skim. But... I don't really see the apostles performing miracles in the temple either. They are going to and from it, but not in it. And this is not to say that Jesus does not love the Israelites or the nation of Israel. He loves them passionately. Really, really, really passionately. He cares about them deeply. But what it is saying is that the place of the presence of God is the new temple of living stones. The kingdom of God has come near. There is a new temple. God is everywhere and his kingdom is everywhere. We don't have to go to the temple or come to a worship service or to a church building to experience or access the kingdom of God. Now, I've I've been having quite a difficult time at work uh, for a number of reasons which I can't really go into. Uh, But it has been really something that I've found quite uh, taxing mentally and emotionally. Mm. Uh, And it's probably worse than it's ever been for me in a, in a work situation and the the wonderful thing though that this is shown me on this, so the last few Sunday nights I've asked people to pray for me about this and there have been some beautiful words spoken and actually, and even in, in the morning services there have been some incredible words spoken, so um, a couple of weeks ago Anna had this uh, uh this prophetic thing in worship and she talked about, don't worry about tomorrow for I am there. And that was so healing for me because I was so worried about tomorrow. And then Marty in the same service said, go, what was it? Go in my, my presence is with you, go and rest. And again, I just, those words spoke to my soul because I needed rest. And I, I did, I, there's not a rest I was going to find in this world, in their place. And uh, and so gathering with believers and getting prayer for peace and favour and forgiveness has meant that I've been able to walk into that place in a completely different headspace and just trust God and take each day as it comes and walk forward and just go, okay, today, what's happening? What are you doing? Where am I? Please help me. <laughs> Being at peace even in the storm. Even in the storm. Because the kingdom is there. It's here. It's in my workplace, 1918 Street. It's in the streets in between. God, this is God's world. But the thing that I've learned much more recently and the journey that God has been taking me on is... uh, is a third way to understand that the kingdom of heaven is near. Because Jesus is out there, He he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he literally means it's standing right in front of you. It's here, right? The kingdom of heaven is near because I am here. I believe that Jesus is saying the kingdom is physically embodied in him right in front of those people. He is saying that the kingdom of God... when he's saying the kingdom of God is near, he's saying it's right here talking to you. When he says to the to the, the priests and the, 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 the leaders in the temple, I'll build this temple rebuild this temple in three days, he's saying it because the temple is right here. This is the temple. Repent. So when he says repent, I mean that meant that, that, that can mean so many things, but I really think on one level he's telling them. You know, repent means turn 180 degrees, right? And go the other direction. He's saying you need to repent of the idolatry you've placed in all this other stuff, and turn to the new temple. Repent and believe the good news, because man, it is good news. It's it's really not a surprise that not many people understood, right? If you go through the the gospels. There are so many times when, again, we read them knowing the end of the story, but you just sit there and Peter just, you know, he's, he's classic, right? He just doesn't get it most of the time. He gets it enough. But, and he's not alone, right? Lots of people were just confused by Jesus because he was talking about something that was so counter-cultural to what they understood at the time. All their expectations. Um, one of my favorite bits, right, with Peter is, you know, uh, I think it's Matthew 16, but I could be wrong. Um, And Jesus says, who do you say I am? And and Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus goes, bang on, on that rock, I'm going to build my church. And then he goes, and by the way, I'm going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And Peter goes, no, you can't do that. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. I mean, Peter's just going I can't keep up. What's going on? Because he saw, you know, he he saw enough. He knew. He knew that he had to follow Jesus, even if he didn't understand him. He knew. It's it's funny, I was thinking when I was writing this, that, uh, (laughs) you know, so so I, I read the, read the scriptures, and I kind of smile indulgently. I'm like, oh, they don't get it. And now I'm wondering if they're uh, sitting up there, right, the great cloud of witnesses, watching me going, he doesn't get it. Like, mm. yeah, thanks, guys. Nice. Um, it's in Jesus' physical presence that the cornerstone of the new temple of the kingdom is laid. That the new temple, that is the place of His presence, is loved. The Holy Spirit is in Him, right? So, if you look in Luke four one, it says that Jesus went out into temptation, and the Holy Spirit was on Him. And if you look in four fourteen, it says He comes back from His temptation, and He was filled with the He was he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, right? So, it was in Him as He started His ministry the inauguration of the new sanctuary. I love the word, Rosemary, right? That that sanctuary, right? That That is, he has inaugurated this new sanctuary. The place of the presence of God is quite literally in Jesus, on Jesus. It's quite literally Jesus. Hence, my looking at them. So that's why I went and looked at the scriptures. I kind of went, well, hang on. Where does he do his miracles? The old is passing away and the new is coming. What is the new? And that's actually the same as asking, what does this mean for you and I? What is that new kingdom? Peter articulates this for us in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. The words there were the words that were used to speak of Israel, of the temple, and then Paul says it very plainly in one Corinthians three, six: Do you not know that you are God's temple? Doesn't get much more blunt than that. And God's Spirit lives in you, and you know, it acts and acts. The Spirit came with fire on the tent of meeting, the sanctuary, when they were walking in the desert. The Spirit, the the, the presence of God came in fire. So I think this means at least three things for us. First, the kingdom of heaven is near in time. We are living in the age of the inauguration of the new kingdom, and the expansion of the new kingdom. We are called to a holy mission, a holy task to walk out the, 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 the building of the temple, the new temple. The kingdom of he- heaven is near in time because... We are in the time that Jesus has inaugurated. We are to be his hands and feet in the kingdom. Matthew eight twenty eight, eighteen to twenty. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven is on earth and on earth sorry, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He will build his temple. He is building his temple. He is expanding his kingdom. It also means that we are free of the sacral system of worship in the old temple. But it's not... No, the presence of God is no longer there. It's in this new temple that he's building. And as as I said, that temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Rather, if we repent and believe the good news, the kingdom of heaven is near to us in space all around us. It is here in this room, and it is in the worst hellhole on earth right now. It is, now, I need to be careful, I don't associate these two two things too closely. I was going to say it's in Lebanon right now, that makes it sound like it's the worst hellhole on earth, I don't mean it that way. (laughs) But it is there, right? The kingdom of heaven is there, and it is is expanding, and God is doing his work in that place. Thank you so much for leading us in prayer on that, um, Caleb, because we need to pray that his kingdom would come in that place. The kingdom of God, um, there is literally nowhere on earth where we can go where the kingdom of God is not present. This is his earth and everything in it. We sing, even when you're not there, even when I don't feel it, you're working, sorry, not even, even when I don't feel it, you're working, even when I don't see it, you're working. Yeah. doesn't matter what's going on here or up here, mm-hmm. he is here and he is working. Yeah. And I, I love the song, there's a, a wonderful song, um, You know, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. Even in the storm, whatever that storm may be, mm-hmm. he is there with you, around you. You know, I've read Psalm 23 so many times that it almost feels a little bit trite. But reading it, if you read it again, you, if you read it, it's saying he is present with us always. He is present with us when we're beside quiet streams in moments of rest. He is present with us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is present with us, preparing a banqueting table for us in the presence of our enemies. And surely goodness and love will follow us. This radical kingdom is near to us always and everywhere. Pray for eyes to see and ears to hear what he's doing, wherever you are, because he's there doing stuff. But it's so much more than even that. It's so good. This good news is so good because you are the temple. You are the living stones. His presence is in you. If you have given your life to Christ, you are the living stones that make up the new temple. You are the place of the presence of God. And that freaks me out. I mean, it, it's just... It's, like the sanctuary, the tent of meeting, like the temple, the presence of God through Christ's sacrifice for us, it's not because of anything you've done. I can sure tell you it's not because of anything I've done. has come to live in us. In between us, you carry his presence in you wherever you go. It's not just that it's the kingdom of God is there. It is in you and wherever you are, there it is too. So there's the evening services, we call them sanctuary services. And the, the, the heart of that for me, I think I've said it a couple of times, is that you know in the, in, in the Bible, the sanctuary is the tent of meeting. right? It's the place of the presence of God. And if we sort of use the word in a more worldly setting, it just means, it means a safe place, right? We have a sanctu- wildlife sanctuary where birds are safe from predators. So the sanctuary service is a safe place to encounter God. That's, that's the heart, that's the vision. In the modern world, uh, so, but it's much wider than that. Because actually, you are the sanctuary. You are a safe place for people to encounter God. His presence is in you. And that means you can create a safe place for people to encounter the risen Lord wherever you are. Because he is in you to empower you and to reach to others through you. You are a city on a hill. You are a light that should not be hidden. Wherever you go, He's reaching out to others through you. And I think I, the one thing I keep learning as I walk is that I look back and I can see that he was reaching out to others through me, but I couldn't see it at the time. So I'm praying that he would show me what's happening at the time. But I'm usually so preoccupied with whatever else is going on that I can't see this. But he is, whether you know it or not, his presence is in you and it's touching people as you go. You you know, Peter walks down the street and his shadow falls on someone and heals them. It's not Peter. It's just God going. Yeah, you missed them, but I'm going to heal him anyway. <laughs> I'm, um, I met with Marty today. No, not today. Sorry, what was it? Monday, Tuesday. It was great. It had a lovely, lovely lunch and, and time of talking, and was really encouraged. Thank you, Marty. He was one of the things he was saying was that um, leaders, and I think all Christians, need to learn how to function out of the presence. Because the presence gives us rest. Because that's the wonderful good news. It's not through anything that you can do. You know, we are saved by grace. We're saved by Christ's sacrifice for us. And then he just wants to go and do wonderful things for us. If you know that his presence is in you and that the king, his kingdom is around you and that you are on the age of the expansion of that kingdom, then our response is simple. Relax into it. There's no work here. But there is uh, obedience and faithfulness. I've got, um, so, I uh, really, um, felt like I really cut across some of this stuff this morning. So I was going to end somewhere else. I've got a couple other things I want to say. Uh, and then I'd not really like for us to have a time of waiting on the Lord and praying together. So we are the living temple. The other way to put that is we are citizens of heaven. Our first allegiance is to the Father who created us, to the Son who saved us, and to the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So, um, as actually was alluded to by Rosemary's uh, reading of uh, Isaiah 8, and directly addressed by Caleb, there's an election coming up. Now I don't normally get political, I don't want to, that's not what this is about. What I want to say is that I've been reading, reading, listening to this great podcast called This Cultural Moment, which I highly, highly recommend, it's really good. Um, and one of the things that they say in that a world that has rejected Christ and Christianity, politics and political parties, among other things, are making a play for your heart and your identity, they are making a play to be the centre of your life. And man, you see it, you see it out there, because people want something bigger than themselves. And they get in and, and yeah. Um, so, we are also citizens of this country and by all means go out and vote. Vote as your conscience tells you to. But remember that your first allegiance is to the king. And the politics and political parties and the government are not going to save this world. No. Only Christ is going to save this world. Yeah. Do not let them set up an idol of the right or the left or the whatever mm. in the temple of your heart. Mm. Do not let them set up an idol. You know, that I've been really struggling with this, actually, Um I'm going to say it, so when Jesus prophesies the destruction of the temple he talks about he says how will the people say how will we know and they say when the abomination that causes desolation is in the place where it shouldn't be then the people of Judea should run for the hills. Now I'm not, I am not mean that literally but I do think there's something we need to be really careful about about what are the things we set up in our heart that will cause us to become desolate that will cause us to, to lose sight of this incredible creator who, you know, we, we have this God who made everything, who's going to go, sure Caleb, I'll remind him that he needs to pay you back. Yeah. I mean, he's so interested in us. I remember having a conversation with James one day, I think it was after one time that I preached earlier, and I was just going, wow, it's amazing how, you know, there were these songs, and then there were these words, and, then, and, and it felt like it was all just tying in, and, and, and James says, isn't it amazing that the the Universe cares about how we order a service? How a few, you know, a hundred people in a room order a service so that his voice is heard. <laughs> it's just incredible. Remember that politics will not save the world. Salvation only comes through Christ. We are called to the narrow path to heaven. Cleave to Christ. Now, I think if I left it there, I'd, I'd really struggle with it, but in the worship, and actually I was, while the guys were practicing worship, I really felt like God was just saying something else as well. Um, so I, I already said this a couple of weeks ago, and said, don't worry about tomorrow for I am there. And there is that sense, that he's the God of all the history, right? Including the history to come. At the Vineyard National Conference, a guy, Kirk Delaney, who's the uh, head of the the Vineyard Movement in Australia, uh, said, he is calling us into a new story. God is going to invade from the future. He will release dreams from the future, be awakened by by the future calling at us. God has an incredible vision for this city, for this church. It will be a city of lights and rivers, a blessing to the nation and the nation's Lights of hope and salvation, rivers of mercy and healing, a temple city with a faithful remnant that seeks only Him. He is calling you into this plan for the city. Seek Him for His plan for the city and for you. You are a light and a river, a temple of the presence of the Lord. He is calling to us. I gotta hear it in, in the worship. He's calling to us. He's calling forth a remnant to bow down and prayer, to raise their hands in worship, to center their lives on seeking Him, and then to go and do what He's asking them to do, to walk in the world in the rest of His presence, to step into the beauty of His plan for their lives, for this church, for this city, for this country and this world. Can you hear him calling? He's saying, He's crying over us. Who will join me? If we could stand, please.